48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Aaron Tam. The headlines. John Lee's caught COVID after returning home from his first overseas trip. Restaurants are reluctant to join a scheme allowing them to serve tour groups visiting Hong Kong, citing complicated rules. And Malaysia's political leaders are scrambling to form a governing coalition after Saturday's election resulted in a hung parliament. John Lee has tested positive for COVID after returning to Hong Kong from his first overseas trip as chief executive. Vicky Wong has details. A spokesman from the CE's office said John Lee had tested negative on rapid tests during his four-day trip to Bangkok, but a PCR test administered upon his return to Hong Kong last night came back positive. The spokesman said the chief executive will undergo isolation and work from home and conduct meetings via video conferencing if needed. No details were provided as to whether Mr Lee is experiencing any symptoms, but the statement said no other official who accompanied him on his trip have tested positive so far. Mr Lee had flown to Bangkok to attend the APEC summit and to tell business leaders there about Hong Kong's strength as a gateway to the mainland and as a centre for innovation, arts and sports. Some delegates that accompanied government officials to Thailand for APEC say they have had a fruitful trip promoting Hong Kong there. However, Alan Shi, who heads the Chinese Manufacturers Association, said that the crowded Bangkok airport was a stark contrast to the one in Hong Kong and the trip had provided delegates food for thought on how to turn things around in the SAR. If you think that uh, we should learn from this is the... The, after the uh, COVID-19, we should have more entertainment or exhibition or uh, let overseas people come over to Hong Kong to see it. It's uh, really Hong Kong is back. Seeing is believing. And uh, it is a very good way to speak good story of Hong Kong. The catering sector says it will be difficult for restaurants to serve tourists with Amber Health Codes describing the rules for serving these people as too complicated. Authorities had announced that visitors and tour groups with the Amber vaccination status can dine at designated restaurants, but these eateries would have to abide by a number of rules if they serve tour groups, which include arranging private rooms for such visitors. Simon Wong, president of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants, says he doesn't expect many tour groups to come to Hong Kong. We can't estimate the number of inbound tour groups. If restaurants apply for the scheme and sets a designated area for the tour groups, they can't serve other diners in that area. Some staff also have to specifically serve tour groups. This increases unnecessary costs for restaurants, and it's very inconvenient. Not many restaurants are willing to join the scheme. Hong Kong's sole deputy to the National People's Congress Standing Committee, Tam Yu Chung, says he will not stand in the NPC's next election. The 72-year-old veteran politician said he's not seeking another five-year term on the country's top legislative body because of his age. Mr. Tam said it had been an honor to have helped with the legislation of the national security law for Hong Kong, as well as the improvement to the SAR's electoral system. CLP says it's providing $200 million in community support to alleviate underprivileged families' financial burden ahead of an annual review of electricity bills at LegCo tomorrow. It says around 100,000 grassroots families will benefit from one-off fuel cost subsidies worth $600. It will also provide one-off subsidies worth $800 to 50,000 tenants of subdivided flats. 
The subsidies come as the CLP says its inevitable electricity bills will go up next year. The company's chief corporate development officer, Quincy Chong, was asked whether these one-off measures would be able to offset possible tariff increases. Caring for the underprivileged and the community as well as the youngster have always been, you know, our core values. We've come up with different programs at different times, which we think is important to meet the evolving needs of the community. And we believe the fuel cost subsidy program will be able to offer a substantial sum of money to alleviate the financial burden of the underprivileged families. And we hope that we will be able to make the money in good use for the needy. The Sports Federation and Olympic Committee of Hong Kong says it will issue guidelines on the use of the national flag and anthem to sports associations. They say the move will prevent any future mix-ups after a wrong song was played ahead of a rugby match between Hong Kong and South Korea last Sunday. The national anthem was also mislabeled during a televised match between Hong Kong and Portugal on November the 6th. Speaking on an RTHK program, the committee's honorary secretary general, Ronnie Wong, said a standardized procedure will be established. We will likely provide national flags and the national anthem that have our confirmation and the government's approval to each sports association before they go out to take part in competitions. Each association should be given two sets with one as a backup. They'll have to sign a confirmation with the organizer as well. Malaysia is awaiting the outcome of tense negotiations as political leaders scramble to form a governing coalition after Saturday's general election produced a hung parliament. Former Prime Minister Muyadin Yassin says he has secured backing from two political blocs but is still short of a majority. Longtime opposition leader Anwar Ibrahim is also claiming that he can form a coalition with support from other parties. The palace has given them until 2 o'clock this afternoon to present the name of a lawmaker they think, has the majority support in the lower house of parliament. Trisha Yeo heads the think tank, the Institute for Democracy and Economic Affairs. If there is a stalemate, uh, an impasse of sorts, then this will have to continue. And of course, the fears are what's that going to do to the economy, to the markets. We hopefully seeing the light of day by the end of the day so that tomorrow we will see some stability uh, for the country. But having said that, I think for something as serious as deciding who the government is going to be, I think that uh, the various parties and coalitions do also need to exercise caution and not rush to a, a rash decision because ultimately policy decisions over the next five years are at stake. The head of Japan's government, Fumio Kishida, is due to announce a new interior minister after losing a third cabinet member in a month. Tarada Minoru resigned on Sunday. He had faced growing criticism for allegedly misusing political funds. Two other ministers have lost their jobs since late October, one for having ties to a controversial religious group, the other for making comments that appeared to make light of the country's death penalty. Scientists have discovered the true ferocity of a huge volcanic eruption off the coast of Tonga in January. Research ships from Britain and New Zealand have finished mapping the area around the volcano and researchers calculate that er that around 10 cubic kilometers of material has been displaced. The BBC's Jonathan Amos has the details. 
So 10 cubic kilometres is a prodigious volume. It's the equivalent of something like 4,000 Egyptian pyramids. Two-thirds of that went straight up into the sky from the volcano and then came back down. As it came back down, it then scraped the other third off the sides of the volcano. So you got enormous debris flows that then ran out across the ocean bottom. And they go for vast distances, more than 80 kilometres. Court papers have revealed that the collapsed cryptocurrency exchange, FTX, owes its 50 biggest creditors a total of more than 3 billion U.S. dollars. The administrator appointed to run what's left of the firm says he's never seen such a complete failure of corporate controls. The BBC's Grant Ferret reports. Each day since FTX started bankruptcy proceedings over a week ago has brought shocking revelations about the extent of the company's problems. According to a bankruptcy filing in the United States, the biggest single creditor is owed more than $220 million. The names of those who've lost money have not been revealed. The Bahamas-based former chief executive Sam Bankman-Fried and the company he led are facing a number of investigations. The collapse of FTX has undermined confidence in the entire cryptocurrency sector. Sport now and the Qatar World Cup is underway with the hosts losing to Ecuador in the curtain raiser at Albait Stadium. Ener Valencia scored both goals in a 2-0 win for the South Americans. The BBC's Maz Faruqi was watching. Ecuador dominated the game at the Albate Stadium from start to finish and we didn't have to wait long for VAR's involvement either. Three minutes in, Ecuador's captain and all-time leading goalscorer Enes Valencia with a goal ruled out after a teammate's foot was shown to be marginally offside as a free kick was taken. But Valencia would get on the score sheet twice in the end, first from the penalty spot after he converted the spot kick he himself won after he was brought down by the Qatari keeper and then with a header 30 minutes into the game. Qatar had promised much heading into their home World Cup with their players having trained and been together ahead of the tournament since June but it's Ecuador who have the early advantage in Group A ahead of Senegal and the Netherlands opening match on Monday the only blow for Ecuador is a knee problem for their captain Valencia who limped off the field in the second half there are three more group matches scheduled for later today. Senegal take on the Netherlands in Group A. In Group B, it's England versus Iran, while Wales play the United States. In a speech to open the World Cup, the Gulf state's ruler said people were coming together to celebrate their diversity. However, the tournament has been hit by criticism of Qatar's human rights record and its treatment of people in the LGBT community. These Qatari women said they were very excited about the, state, the start of the tournament. It's a big event and it's happening in Qatar, first time. And we're going to show all the world how Qatar will do the best and Actually, we are so proud. Yeah. Before we see it, we are so proud. Seeing our country have developed this all short time. The stadium, the services, we can see all the kind of people celebrating together and happy together. Actually, this is Qatar. David Beckham doesn't play professional football anymore, but he remains one of the sport's biggest stars. And Qatar was so keen to have him promote the tournament that they've paid him millions of US dollars to do it. But not everyone is happy about it, as the BBC's Charlotte Gallagher reports. Ah, lovely. Hello. Hello, are you well? 
Joe Lycett is one of the UK's biggest comedians and no stranger to headlines. He's taken on oil companies, politicians and even the designer Hugo Boss. And now he's turned his attention to David Beckham. If you end your relationship with Qatar, I'll donate this 10 grand of my own money, that's a grand for every million you're reportedly getting, to charities that support queer people in football. However, if you do not, at midday next Sunday, I will throw this money into a shredder just before the opening ceremony of the World Cup and stream it live on a website I've registered called BendersLikeBeckham.com. Joe Lycett has accused David Beckham of branding himself as a gay icon, doing things like posing for the gay magazine Attitude, but then taking money from Qatar. It's illegal to be openly gay in Qatar. Punishments range from fines, long prison sentences to the death sentence. Qatar's World Cup ambassador called homosexuality damage to the mind. The country's treatment of women and migrant workers has also been highlighted. David Beckham didn't respond to Joe Lycett and the comedian posted a video of himself apparently shredding almost $12,000. Some footballers have spoken out about human rights though. Eric Cantona has said migrant workers were treated horribly and he won't even watch this year's World Cup. The Spanish golfer John Rahm has won the World Tour Championship for his third title. Rory McIlroy finished fourth to clinch the race to Dubai by ending the season as Europe's number one. McIlroy says he'll be targeting the majors next year. You know, there's four opportunities every year. I know this year I was as close as I've been in a long, long time. Played consistently good golf. Uh, had a great chance to win at St Andrews, obviously. Um, had two good chances to win you know, the US Open and the PGA as well, I thought. So, and a great finish at Augusta. So, you know, I just need to continue that momentum that I've found in the majors and, and uh, you know, bring that into 2023. In the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys have run over the Minnesota Vikings 40-3, to putting a screeching halt on the Vikings' seven-game winning streak. Our U.S. sports commentator, Ray Jovanovich, says the Cowboys are the team to watch on U.S. Thanksgiving later this week. Of course, roast turkey, pumpkin pie at NFL football. The Thanksgiving Day NFL tradition started 88 years ago in 1934 when the Detroit Lions host of the Chicago Bears in Detroit. The Lions will be playing again as they always are. That game really doesn't matter, but there's three games on Turkey Day. The big one, of course, is the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. So the Cowboys and the Giants only have a couple of days rest before they battle on Thanksgiving Day. A week after losing their perfect record, the Philadelphia Eagles are back to winning ways. They got past the Indianapolis Colts 17-16. to To the weather forecast, mainly cloudy with a few showers of moderate to fresh easterly winds occasionally strong offshore. The outlook windier with showers in the next couple of days. Showers will be more frequent at times on Wednesday and Thursday. The temperature now is 25 degrees with the humidity at 71%. And to end the news, the top stories once again. John Lee's caught COVID. After returning home from his first overseas trip, restaurants are reluctant to join a scheme allowing them to serve tour groups visiting Hong Kong, citing complicated rules. And Malaysia's political leaders are scrambling to form a governing coalition after Saturday's election resulted in a hung parliament. And that's the news from RTHK.
Neil Finn on Radio 3. She will have her way. It's the brew for a Monday. So until two o'clock this afternoon, we're off to Ho Chi Minh City very shortly. Give it about eight or nine minutes and say hi to Neil Runciman.